Father, we thank you that we purpose in our hearts to be good ground, that we'll receive the seed of the word, Father, and that your word will bring forth fruit in our life, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And Lord, we thank you that you confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, today, if my math is right, we celebrate 234 years as a nation, the United States of America. And to us, you know, that sounds like a long time. Man, 234 years. But you realize that, that biblically the Bible says that a generation is approximately 40 years. Amen. You understand children of Israel, when they wandered in the wilderness, God had them wander for 40 years till a generation had passed, till that generation had passed. And uh, so if you look at it that way, the United States is six generations old by a biblical generation. Here's another way to think about it. How many of y'all have relatives in your family that have lived to be that have lived to be or are, are, are now 80 years old or older? Okay, you realize that three 80-year-old lifespans is longer than what the history of this country has been. That helps you put it in perspective. America is a young nation. The sad thing is, is that if you read the Bible and you study, about, you study through the Old Testament of the Bible, you realize that a nation can, can go from a godly nation that loves and serves God and is called according to His purpose, the children of Israel, in one generation you can lose that. One. Not two. Not three. One generation. That's how quickly it happened. You read, you read your Old Testament. Go back through. You know, some people are like, oh, we're a New Testament church. I don't got nothing to do with that Old Testament. You need to go back and read the Old Testament because if you don't understand, if you don't have a somewhat working knowledge of the Old Testament, you're going to be out in the dark about a lot of the things in the New. But you go back and you study the, the history of the Old Testament. How here was a generation of people that the first generation that came out, they wouldn't even believe God after all the signs and wonders and miracles that He did to deliver them from Egypt. They wouldn't even believe that, and so they couldn't even go to the Promised Land. They came through the Red Sea. They saw the plagues on Egypt. They saw the Red Sea parted and walked through the Red Sea. Huh? They saw Pharaoh's army. They saw their enemy destroyed before their face. They ate manna. They ate quail. They drank water that God provided for them and then got all the way over to the place where he said on the threshold of entering into God's promise, and because they wouldn't believe him, they didn't get to go in. So the next generation gets to go in and take the land, but then it's no time until they're turning their back on God. Huh? Just a few, you know, just they, the, and so you understand this, that we have to, what's your point, Pastor? My point is that we must be diligent. In America, really, we just, you know, sometimes when things aren't going, when things aren't good, you have to examine yourself and, and see, is there something I could do different? Is there something that we as a nation could have done different? And really, the church was silent for a long time in America and, and let things go and didn't voice, didn't exercise the freedom that the blood of patriots bought in this country. And we've let things get to the point that they are now, that, that people are so silly that they actually will think that, that Christianity and that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ had nothing to do with the founding of this nation. You saw some of the stuff, if you saw on the video, the last inscription on, on the Liberty Bell. There's a scripture from Leviticus engraved on the Liberty Bell. I remember uh, Pastor Cheyenne and I and, and, and her mother, we went to Washington, D.C. a few years ago, and someone had told me that they are actively, people are acting, and they're keeping it quiet. You don't hear nothing about it on the news. They're going through all, to all the most popular national monuments 
in Washington, D.C., and they're slowly starting to remove Scripture references that, were, that have been on them for years. Why? Because they know, because there, you need to realize there are people out there with an agenda from Satan, really, that want to erase any evidence of, of any godliness in this, in this country, any Christian influence in this country, because they know that if they can get it off the monuments, in one generation people will forget that God and, and Lord Jesus Christ had any influence beginning with this country. Why, let me ask you this. Why do people, why do we have history classes in high schools and in colleges and all we do is we read history books about what people say about the Founding Fathers and not read the writings of the Founding Fathers? Why do we read about that? You know that makes about as much sense as someone never picking up their Bible and reading it but reading books about the Bible. How many of you all know reading a book about the Bible is not the same as reading the Bible? Reading a devotion that is about the Bible is not, does not benefit you spiritually the same as reading the Bible does. And so just I wanted to give you a few things uh, this morning. We're going to talk about how many of you all know God is very interested in government? Amen. As a matter of fact, that is the primary thing that God is interested in. Um, just want to read you some quotes. No one can deny that many of the founding fathers of the United States of America were men and I've, and I've got this uh, from an internet source, so you all will realize, some of you all know, that I don't use the word religion a lot because Jesus did not come to start a religion, but the context of this writing and the context of some of these comments, when they say religion, they mean Christianity, they mean the gospel, amen? So, so many of the founding fathers of the United States of America were deep, had deep religious convictions based on the Bible and their Christian faith in Jesus Christ. Of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, 24 held seminary or Bible school degrees. Wow. Don't hear that being taught in history classes in America, do you? Oh, they were all deists. Oh, okay. You know what's funny is, as I looked up, I looked, I did a little bit of study on deism. And it's so funny because if you look up deism and you, and you read some of the stuff about it, the, you know, the one big thing that, that, traditional Christians uh, take exception to is that deism says that there was a God who was the creator and he created the universe and the earth and he set it in order and then he kind of took a hands-off approach to it. And I'm scratching my head going, that sounds biblical to me. Because what's the word say? The word says God created, in the beginning, you know, God created the earth and then God, after he created everything, he gave Adam dominion. Isn't that what the Word says? Genesis 1.26? Isn't that what the Bible says? That God created the earth and He gave man dominion or rulership or rule or reign over the earth. Right? God created... We've we got to remember the original intention. God created the earth to be colonized by man, to place man on the earth, so that God, that man would be submitted to His heavenly King... And that, that Adam would only do, and Eve would only do what the Lord told them to do. And therefore, God didn't necessarily rule hands-on on the earth, but He ruled earth like a colony of heaven in the, where there was a man, at, where man and woman would rule the earth together, would have dominion. Because you understand, when God said man, He was talking about mankind. He didn't say Adam would rule the earth. When, when the Bible says man, it's talking about mankind. And so... so even if you want to hear people say, well, they were deists, they didn't believe in God. You understand that the doctrine that they want to ascribe as deism, it's biblical. 
Okay, it might not be in everything, and, and I'm not saying, pastor's not saying that if you go and you read up on deism, that everything deism says, uh, supports is scriptural, but I'm saying the general principle of there was a creator who created the earth, set things in motion, set natural laws, and then turned the earth over to man to be ruled, that's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. And so we realize that that many men, half of the men that signed the Declaration of Independence, uh, were uh, had seminary and Bible school degrees. Amen? Just want to give you a, a few quotes. Maybe you might recognize some of these names. George Washington, the first U.S. president, he said, quote, While we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. George Washington, amen. John Adams, the second uh, president of the United States and, and signer of the Declaration of Independence. Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, and charity toward his fellow men, and to piety, love, and reverence toward Almighty God. What a utopia, what a paradise this region would be. Amen. Second President of the United States, signer of the Declaration. That doesn't sound like a diss to me. Amen. Here's another quote from John Adams. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believe and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Amen? How about Thomas Jefferson? And you understand, I'm not saying any of these men were perfect. Getting ready to, talk, getting ready to give you one from Thomas Jefferson, and people are quick to point out what seemed to be apparent Christian hypocrisies in his life. Amen? Let's put everybody's life under a microscope, right? Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States, and the drafter... In other words, he was the author of the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson said, God who gave us, uh, gave us life gave us liberty, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with His wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just that his justice cannot sleep forever, that a revolution of the wheel of fortune, a change of situation is among possible events, that it may become probable by supernatural influences. The Almighty has no attribute of which can take the side with us in that event. Okay, and that's kind of a, a wordy kind of statement, but he's just saying he, that there are things that, that it makes him tremble to think that people would ever take for granted that freedom is anything but a gift from God and that if people turn their back on that, he's saying uh, that there's no attribute of God that can side with us in that event if a nation turns its back on God and, and God's precepts. Here's another quote from Thomas Jefferson. I'm a real Christian, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Boy, that's a mouthful. You can about preach off of that. If you're not doing the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ, can you call yourself a real Christian? Amen. John Hancock. 
How many of y'all know who John Hancock is? Remember, I believe he was the first one, the first signer of the Declaration of Independence, and he wrote his so his signature so large. He said he wanted to make sure that King George was able, that King George was able to see his signature on it. it says uh, resistance to tyranny. Quote: Resistance to tyranny becomes the Christian and social duty of each individual. Continue, continue steadfast and with a proper sense of your dependence on God. Hmm. Nobly defend those rights which heaven gave and no man ought to take from us. John Hancock. You want to hear a few more? Are these interesting to you? Is this enlightening to you? Amen. To, to know this stuff. And this is stuff they have written. It's recorded. And if people cared to look at it in history, they could read it. Benjamin Franklin. Anybody, any of you all ever heard of him? Maybe seen a picture of him on a, on a bill that's nice to get? Amen. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, signer of the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution. Here is my creed. I believe in one God, the creator of the universe, that he governs it by his providence and that he ought to be worshipped. You know, when I was in college, and, and most of you all know my degree was in government, I heard a lot of people say, well, they believed that they were deists and they believed in providence. And most people were so ignorant that they didn't realize that providence was what they was when when one of these people from this era and one of these founding fathers when they used the word providence they meant the will of God. They didn't mean fate. That's what some people have tried to interpret that providence. Well, that's just fate. You know, case or sarah, whatever will be will be. That's not the case. Providence was the was the means by which they believed God governed the universe. Amen. That the most acceptable service, this is Benjamin Franklin, quote, that the most acceptable service we render to him is doing good to his other children, that the soul of man is immortal, and that will be treated with justice in another life respecting its conduct in this. Wow. These, uh, these I take to be the fundamental points in all sound religion, and I regard them as you do in whatever sect I meet them. And when he says sect, he's actually talking about denomination. Okay, he was saying that whatever denomination of Christian I meet, if they hold these truths, I, I respect them. As to Jesus of Nazareth, in my opinion, of whom you particularly desire, I think the system of morals of his religion that he has left us are the best the world ever saw and is likely to ever see. Ben Franklin. Sam Adams. Amen. Some people think all Samuel Adams did was made a brewery that's still making beer. I've seen the Samuel, Sam Adams commercials. Samuel Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence and father of the American Revolution. And it is our duty to extend our wishes to the happiness of the great family of man. I conceive that we cannot better express ourselves than by humbly supplicating the supreme ruler of the world that the rod of tyrants may be broken to pieces and the oppressed made free again, that wars may cease in all the earth and that the confusions that are uh, that are and have been among nations may be overruled by promoting and speedily bringing on that holy and happy period, listen to this, when the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ may be everywhere established and all people everywhere willingly bow to the scepter of Him who is the Prince of Peace. Glory to God. Amen. You understand when some people says God, God's a subjective word. They're just putting it out there. Jesus Christ. When the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll give you a few more. John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States. The hope of the Christian is inseparable from his faith. 
Whoever believes in the divine inspiration of Holy Scriptures must hope that the religion of Jesus shall prevail throughout the earth. Never since the foundation of the world have the prospects of mankind been more encouraging to that, uh, to that hope than they appear at the present time. And may the associated, associated distribution of the Bible proceed and prosper till the Lord shall have made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all nations and the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Isaiah 52.10, quoting Scripture. William Penn, I do declare to the whole world that we believe the Scripture. William Penn, for those of you who don't know, he was the founder of the state of uh, Pennsylvania. So I declare to the whole world that we believe the Scriptures to contain a declaration of the mind and will of God and to those ages in which they were written, uh, being given forth by the Holy Ghost, moving in the hearts of holy men of God, that they ought also to be read, believed, and fulfilled in our day, being used for reproof and instruction, that the man of God may be perfect, that they are a declaration and testimony of heavenly things themselves, and as such we carry high respect for them, we accept them as the words of God Himself. Amen. Patrick Henry. Amen. How many, what's the most famous line everybody knows from Patrick Henry? Give me liberty or give me death. Amen. Patrick Henry. I cannot, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not by religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, people of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom to worship here. Amen. Here's another one from Patrick Henry. The Bible is a book worth more than all other books that were ever printed. Amen. And I'll, I'll spare you some more. But we need to understand, you understand that the, that the, the founders of this country were not just religionists. They were not religious men. They were born-again believers who had a strong uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Word of God. Amen? And, and so I'm telling you all this, you know, not with the intention of telling you now, we need to get out in the streets and we need to march in the streets and we need to take this country back. Okay? That's a given. Okay? I, you know, I'll say this. The Bible says over in, in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, I would that, that prayers and supplications and giving of thanks would be made for all men and kings and rulers and all in authority. If we as believers, the first thing we want to do to change our nation is to begin to pray for them. I remember one thing, it was, so, it, it was just so, such a profound statement to me. I remember that Bishop Jake said it back when Bill Clinton was in office and you know, the end of Bill Clinton's second term was so marred with controversy and scandal that anything good that he may have done uh, was just kind of, was kind of just marred, you know, and uh, and it was all coming out the scandal that he'd got into and blah blah this and there, and everybody seemed like you know you couldn't even turn on Christian TV without people wanting to roast the president. Now you understand this? I'm not defending his behavior at all. It was it was reprehensible behavior, and this, quite frankly, it was an embarrassment to the office of the president of the United States, and it was an embarrassment to our country. But I remember Bishop Jake said all these people that were lining up to have a have a presidential roast, and he said, "You know what?" He said, "You know, shame on you if you're standing up and you're bad mouthing him, and you've never prayed for him. If you never opened your mouth, if you never got on your knees, if you never opened your mouth and prayed and asked God, God give him wisdom, God give him guidance, God surround him with godly counsel. If you've never prayed for him, then you ought to be ashamed of yourself or bad mouth." And so this, you know, and, I, and that impressed me so much. I thought, you know what? We don't have a right to be talking about our president, no matter how much we disapprove of his policies. You need to pray for him. The Bible says the heart of the king's in the hand of the Lord. 
If a, if a president's not doing things that's godly and he's not doing things that are for the benefit of the country, then we as a church got to say, how much praying are we doing for him? Amen? We just want to sit around and talk about how bad he is. Let's pray for him. Pray for the president that he'll have wisdom. Pray for the president. Because you know what? This is the thing. I, and I'm just going to be honest. This might offend some people. I don't believe not for one blessed second. I don't believe for a New York minute that Barack Obama, that our president, is a born-again believer. I do not believe that for one moment. But how hard is it for him to get born again? How hard is it for him? For the, is it impossible that the Holy Spirit can't deal with his heart and move on his spirit and that he can't know that something's wrong and that he can't have a road to Damascus experience like Paul did? I mean, come on now. Paul persecuted the church and had believers bound and cast in prison and put to death. That ain't going on in our country right now. So if God can do that for someone who was so vehemently set against the church that he was having them cast in prison and killed, why can't God do that for a president that just needs to have some direction? So the first thing we need to do as believers is pray for our leaders. Next thing is get involved. Get involved in local politics. Do what you can. Be aware of what's going on. Know who your sen- your senators are. Know who your congressmen are. And get involved. Because if you don't get involved, this is the thing the Bible says. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. Salt only, fla- salt, we've said this where salt adds flavor to stuff and salt is used as a preservative. Salt only has an effect on something that it comes in contact with. It can stay in the salt, it can stay in the salt shaker all day long. You can sit at your table and be eating one of the most bland meals that you've ever stuck a fork in and have salt sitting right on the table in front of you. And if you don't ever pick it up, you'll sit there and go, I just don't understand why the salt's not working. Don't understand why my food's not tasting good because i got a salt shaker sitting right there. You have to pick it up and you have to shake it in. That salt has to make contact with whatever you're applying it to for it to get the benefit. So as believers, we have, not only do we need to pray for our government, but we need to get involved in the earthly government. Okay, that's the little side issue. The, the real thing you know, that, I, that I wanted to talk to you about was is the, the significance of all those quotes, the significance of all those sayings that those, that those men of God who were essential in the founding of this country, what it illustrates, what it demonstrates is, is that men have always been looking for a better form of government. Always. You know, right now there are people that are they're digging tunnels from Mexico to the United States of America so that people can sneak in and have a chance of a better life. Right now here in Georgia, what's the number one industry of the state of Georgia? Agriculture. There are probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of and I say, illegal immigrants in this country that honestly the only thing they, they're guilty of is they, okay, they violated the, the, our immigration policies, but you tell me if you were sitting across the Rio Grande and your family was starving to death and living in poverty and you thought all you had to do was swim across the river and come over here and get to work someplace and you could provide for your family and you could make your, your dreams of supporting your family and having a home, to, that you wouldn't do that. There's, what's your point? My point is, though, is there are people that are exerting great effort to the point of risking their lives... I heard a story on the news uh, just last week that they found, that they found some place in some city uh, up on the northeastern uh, seaboard um, that they found about 50, 50 men, I believe they said they were from Honduras or Guatemala, that were living in conditions that if the authorities hadn't have found them, they said probably within the next 
two days, people would have started dying. They didn't have any uh, air conditioning. They didn't have uh, any clean food. And they didn't have water to drink. But they were there. Why were they there? They were there because they've snuck into this country because they want to have the opportunity that the government of this country affords to its citizens. People are always looking for a better form of government. And you understand this? Now, let me give you this instruction, this uh, definition real quick. Government. Because, like I said, this is, this is a paradigm shift. We need to be aware of this and realize it. Government literally is a system of rule by which a state, community, uh, etc. is governed. You may understand when something is governed, what if, what if I say? This is going to, we'll find out how, how much people pay attention and then we'll realize why the pastor is redundant so much, right? So, you know, faith does what? Faith does something to what you think, say, and do. See, that's why I'm repetitive. Some of you go, I don't wonder why. Faith governs what you think, say, and do. That's why pastors are redundant. That's why some of you might hear me say something. They go, man, I hear him say that all the time. Well, guess what? If you've got it, praise God. There's ten other people that ain't got it. There's other people that don't hear it. Your faith governs what you think, say, and do. That word govern, it literally mean, it means it controls. It rules. Another, uh, another definition of govern, govern means direction, control, management, and rule. Your faith, what you believe, governs, controls, and it directs what you think, say, or do. When you have a thought come into your mind that does not line up with God's Word, what does the Bible The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians said that we're to take captive every thought that, that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. In other words, that your, that your, your faith, uh, it directs what you even allow yourself to think. Why? Because if you think about something long enough, then you're going to say it and do it. And so your faith governs what you think, say, and do. The things you allow yourself to think and meditate on, the things you allow your mouth to speak, the things that you will do and, and act upon, all of those are a result of your, of your faith and your, and your faith governing that. If you're thinking a thought about someone that's not right, and you and you come to yourself and you think, you know what, you know, God wouldn't have me think that way. I cast that thought down. If you're running around and you're running off at the mouth talking bad about people and saying stuff, and, and you understand this, speaking cursings over people, and you understand this, cur- speaking cursings doesn't mean you're using profanity. It means you're talking down people. Oh, they're just a loser. They ain't never going to amount to anything. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't say what they're doing is wrong and they need to change. But if you're just if you're walking around telling people and you're speaking evil over people because you understand that's what a cursing is, speaking cursings, speaking evil things over people, your your faith needs to govern that, and you need to realize that the Bible says we're not supposed to speak cursing, but we're only supposed to speak that which ministers edification to the hearer. That we're speaking good things. If we're doing something in our life, if there's a behavior, if it's a sin of commission, if there's something that you're doing that you ought not do, or if there's something you ought to be doing that you're not doing, you know, that's just a simple way of saying sins of omission and sins of commission, and your behavior's not lining up with what your faith is, then we need to just bring ourselves back under what the Word says, do what the Word says, and allow ourselves to be governed by what we say we believe. Because you understand this, Pastor Cheyenne has said this several times, and she is hardcore about it. You only believe what you do. The, the only word you believe is the word you do. Amen? How many of y'all say, if, if you say, well, I believe, you know, I believe the Bible says that a man ought to be faithful to his wife, teaches us that a man ought to be faithful to his wife, but a man's running around cheating on his wife all the time, you don't believe that. 
You know it's what the Bible says, but you don't believe it because it's not altered your behavior. Right? If you run around, if we go, if we go around and we don't walk in love toward people, we can say, well, you know, I believe that the Bible says we're supposed to walk in love toward people. But if you don't love people, you don't believe it. Oh, yes, I do. People, no, you don't. You know that the Bible says that you're supposed to do that, but if you believed it, it would, you're, it would govern the way you behaved. Right? If it's truly a belief. So understand this, that God is all about government. Amen? Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I want to get this through your head, that God never intended to establish a religion. Religion is, what, is, is, religion is man's attempt to reach God. Jesus is God's attempt to reconcile man to Him and restore relationship. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We hear this a lot around Christmas time. Listen to the rest of it. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Notice this scripture, God doesn't say, and the religion shall be upon his shoulder. Scripture doesn't say, and Christianity shall be upon his shoulder. It says the government shall be upon his shoulder. God sent Jesus to reestablish God's government on the earth. This is going back, we've mentioned this earlier in Genesis 1.26 when God created man and he placed man in the garden. God's intention was, I'm going to create, uh, he created the earth. He created man, placed him on the earth and said, Adam, I'm giving you, Adam, Eve, I give you dominion to rule and reign over the earth. Not over people, over the earth, over the, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the creeping things on the earth, and everything on the earth. Didn't say anything about ruling over men. Why? Because there's one king that's to rule over men. And that's God the Father. And so, you understand this, that, G, that God, and this is so funny because I remember, I can't remember exactly which one of it was, but when I was taking, uh, my, uh, one of my, uh, government classes in college, we were, they were talking about, uh, you know, one talked about the natural state of man and that man has always been looking for a government. Like I said, there's people sneaking across from Mexico now. Do you know that there are, that there have been great, tremendous wars that have been fought on this earth over people wanting better gov, what they, what they thought was better government? How many of y'all ever heard of the Bolshevik Revolution? The Russian Revolution? There was a communist rev, uh, revolution in Russia and, and, and hundreds of thousands of people killed. As a matter of fact, Stalin, if I, if I'm not mistaken, Joseph Stalin, who was the leader of Russia dur, uh, during World War II following the Russian uh, revolution that took place, because that actually pulled the Russians out of World War I. They had to, they had to withdraw from World War I because they had a civil war going on in Russia. But Joseph Stalin killed over 25 million of his own people. And you understand that all this bloodshed that went on, the, the Russian royal family, how many of you have ever heard the word czar? I can't remember what the czar's name was, but the guy that was the ruling czar, the monarch of Russia when the Bolshevik Revolution took place, they took him and his entire family and shot them execution style and killed them and then threw their bodies into a pit and poured acid on them to destroy the bodies and even their bones to completely wipe out any memory of them. And why was that done? That was done because there was a group of people who were, who were obviously violent, 
but their driving force was they wanted what they believed would be a, a, a better government. Man has always had the desire to have a government. Why? Because men think if I can establish a government, I can control the environment around me. I can control my circumstances. Oh, if I can just get a government in place, then when I need some help, the government can give me a check. And don't misunderstand me. Pastor's not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying if that's your first inclination when something goes wrong, what can the government do for me? What can the go- If that's your first response then your priority is wrong because your first response ought to be, what can my king do for me? What do I need to do to access the the, the supply of heaven that God's promised to make available to me? My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. What do I need to do? He should be the one that we look to first. Like I said, pastor's not saying that if you're in a temporary fix and, and you need government assistance that you can't take it. Just don't make it a lifestyle. Make it something that's like bad medicine that you don't like the taste of, you don't like taking, and the first opportunity you get a chance to get off of it, that you're off of it. Amen? You understand this? That the, but God said that the government was upon His shoulder, the child that He was promised. Who's He talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Isaiah 33:22. This was actually in the video if you saw this. Isaiah 33:22 uh, says, For the Lord is our judge... The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. If you notice in the video, this verse of Scripture right here was what was the inspiration for the three-part government that the United States of America has. The judge is the judicial branch of the government. The Lord, our lawgiver, that's the legislative branch, represents the legislative branch of our government. And the Lord, our king, represents the executive branch of the United States government. The very design of the, of the United States government was inspired by Scripture. But what I want you to see here about this is, is that all three of these positions, that, these uh, titles that are mentioned, judge, lawgiver, king, those are political terms. What's your point, Pastor? My point is is that Jesus Christ came to establish His kingdom on the earth. Right, It is right now. The kingdom of God is on the earth right now. And what I mean is that the kingdom, kingdom is a type of government that God speaks and, and, and a government sets the, the rules, right? The government sets the rules for what's the, stand, the, the standard of conduct for the people who live under that government. And you understand this, that in a kingdom, they're non-negotiable. You don't, people don't filibuster God. God says this is law and it's law. You can't stand up and filibuster and talk endlessly and think that you're going to talk God out of it and discourage what He's commanded. But you understand this is that God is saying Jesus came into the earth to reestablish a kingdom that existed before the fall of man. Adam didn't fall from heaven. You need to get out of your mind that God has sent Jesus so we can all die. When we die, we can all go to heaven and what a day of rejoicing that'll be. You need to wipe that from your memory because that's a temporary thing. Going to heaven now is a temporary, it's a contingency plan that God had to put in place because the original intention of placing man on earth to rule on the earth got messed up. And we've heard this question before. Where would Adam be right now if he had not sinned? He'd still be on the earth. He'd still be in the garden. Why? Because God didn't create man to die. Death entered the world through sin, right? So God's original intention was, I create man, they live forever, they live on the earth, they rule and reign on the earth where I've placed them. And this is the thing. God, did God have fellowship with Adam and Eve when they were on the earth? Certainly He did. He came to the earth. The Bible says in the cool of the day, He came and He walked with them. 
But you understand this, that his, uh, and this is, this is God's government. And you understand that the government just, it, 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 it controls the way you live. God's government was, you do the word of the king. And the word that he gave Adam was, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but that one. And Adam, and Adam and Eve rebelled, we know that, but you need to understand this. And when they rebelled, they cast off God's control, God's government. And understand this, that a government has benefits that goes along with it, right? There are benefits to being in right standing with a government. Right? One is, is that they don't stick you in the back seat of a car with bars on the windows and haul you off to jail, right? And you don't get incarcerated. How many of y'all know in America there's laws that if you break them, some of the laws, there's criminal laws and there's civil law. There are some laws that if you break them, they incarcerate you and they stick you in prison. There's other laws that are civil laws that if you break them, you make yourself vulnerable to a lawsuit and being sued and having your finances taken away from you. Right? Well, how many of y'all know that as long as you abide by the the criminal laws, you stay within those laws, you don't have to worry about incarceration. If you don't uh, commit, if you don't do anything to violate civil laws, I mean, you still might get a lawsuit brought against you in our country, but you can be in right standing, right? How many of y'all understand that God has said, God has established laws, God has established rules, and this is the thing, if we abide by the word of the king, if we do the things the way God says to do those things, just like in the United States of America, there are benefits that go along with just being a citizen of the United States of America as long as you are a a law-abiding citizen that when we're in the, the kingdom of heaven, we're under God's influence, we're living by the word of the king, there's benefits that go along with that. There's things that, that God said, I'll bless you and you'll have this benefit and you'll enjoy this benefit because you're doing my word. Amen? God's original plan of creation was to extend his kingdom upon the earth. We've said this before and it bears repetition. How many of us we learned the Lord's Prayer when we were kids going to Sunday school? Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven. Is that what it says? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Jesus taught us that to pray, didn't he? Jesus taught us that was the way to pray. God, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. What You understand this. What is... What is the dependent factor on God's will being done on the earth? Men and women who are willing to obey His Word. Pastor Cheyenne and I were talking yesterday and I shared this with my mother-in-law. I said, all these people running around, and, and I'm saying this about people in charismatic circles, all these people running around going, oh, I'm believing for a move of God. Oh, I'm believing for a move of God. Believe with me for a move of God. I want a move of God. I want such a mighty move of God. I want a move of God so bad I can't stand it. And God's saying, I want a move of the church so bad I can't stand it. God said, God said, the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and God the Father and Jesus are saying, I'm believing, I'm believing them for a move of the church. I'm believing them for a move of the people. If God's will is going to be done upon the earth, if your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth, just like it is in heaven, the only thing that is an obstacle to that, that prevents God's will from being done on the earth just as it is in heaven, is the church not responding to God's word. The church not doing what God says to do in His Word. Us being distracted by other things and us not seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, you know, seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God is believing the church, is believing for a move of the church. Amen? Understand this, 
we read this Genesis one, or we referenced this Genesis one twenty six. God's God made man to replenish the earth, to subdue the earth, and to have dominion. That word dominion means to subjugate, to rule over, and and reign over. Amen. Understand this, Isaiah 45:18. Thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, uh, but I formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Now understand this, God, and, and, and bringing this back and, wrapping, and trying to wrap this up this evening, this morning. <clears throat> Our founding fathers, they... You realize every one of those men that signed that Declaration of Independence, they were labeled traitors by the government they were under. That was an act of treason. And so the King of England, if he captured those men, he could have had them executed. Some of them were actually executed. Some of them were captured and executed because just signing that document was an act of treason. They pledged their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor to pursue what they believed was a better government. And, and what's your point, Pastor? My, my point is I'm not trying to mix patriotism to America with our devotion to God. I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that because to me, the kingdom of heaven supersedes everything else. I, I am a citizen of heaven because of my new birth. I'm a citizen of the United States of America just because I happen to be born on American soil, even though it was in a foreign country. Amen. <laughs> I was born in an American military hospital in Frankfurt, Germany. But I was born on the property of a United States military base, and both my parents were Americans, and therefore I'm an American citizen. But you understand this, that I, I chose to accept the offer of the king to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And my first allegiance is there. But this is the point I want to make, is these men were so desperate to establish what they believed was a better form of government and a government based on the Scriptures and based on what God said, that they were willing to pledge their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor to obtain it. They were so desperate that it took preeminence over everything in their life. Let's put it this way. They were seeking first the government of the United States of America. They pledged everything that they had. If, if I die, I die. If I spend every cent that I have to to do all that I can to establish the government of the United States of America, I'm going to do it. My sacred honor, I will not back down from what I've spoken and proclaimed that I was going to do. I've given my word. I'm bound by it, and I'm bound by my word. These men executed this type of devotion for an earthly government that, like all governments of the world, if time goes on, the tides, of, the tides of time rise and fall and empires rise and fall on the tide of time. How many empires in the history of the world have thought they were the greatest government and the most powerful government and they've built great monuments? You can go over to, to Giza in Egypt and look at pyramids where the Egyptians thought we're going to build a pyramid, we're going to build these pyramids and they're going to be monuments of our greatness for eternity. And guess what? They're in ruins now. You can still go see them, but all it is is a reminder of a past fallen empire. You can go over to Greece. <laughs> when they're not riding in the street and throwing Molotov cocktails around, amen. <laughs> you can go over to Greece and you can see you can see the testimony of a great civilization 
and a great empire that by the hand of, of uh, Alexander the Great once ruled what they considered the known world. Here's a little, here's a little tidbit for you. Alexander the Great, he, he, I, he was in his early 30s, I think, if he was even 30, when he conquered what was considered the whole known world. And you know how empty and, and unfulfilling that was? Alexander the Great drank himself to death and died on a drunken binge on the way back from India because his soldiers wouldn't go any further. He had conquered the world, had all the riches that, he, that a person could want, could have any woman that a person wanted. Some historians say he'd have any man that, would, that he wanted to. But you understand, here's this person that had everything and that didn't withhold anything from himself that he wanted, had conquered the world, reached the pinnacle of success in his uh, career, and ends up drinking himself to death. He was the leader of that civilization at its height. You go over and you can see ruins. Because guess what? That empire rose and it falls. It fell. Same thing with Rome. Take your pick of old empires in the world that you can go see their ruins. My point is, is that these people had so much devotion to a government that is just a temporary government of man. And we just need to realize that, even as Americans, I think that's a hard pill for some Americans to want to swallow and realize is, if time went on long enough, America's went up, and really, you look at all indicators now, financial, military, morally, every indicator you want to look at, America's going down. That doesn't sound real patriotic. And some people might say, that's depressing, Pastor. I want you to tell me something good. I'm telling you something good because you need to realize your first citizenship is of a kingdom that Isaiah said, of the increase of his government and the increase of his peace, there will be no end. Right now, I've shared this with you before. They, I've heard that over in China that the new birth rate is exceeding the birth rate. CNN ain't going to tell you that. Fox News ain't going to tell you that. What do you mean, Pastor? People are getting saved and born again and brought into the kingdom of heaven quicker than they're making babies in China. And the last time I checked, they make babies pretty quick in China. And they make a bunch of babies in China. People are getting saved. The increase of his government, there's no end. Don't listen to the bad news on the TV. And you understand this. United States of America, world population is over 6 billion. We got about 230 million in this country. Amen? You understand, your, your citizenship is in something much greater and much better than the United States of America. And guess what? You're a citizen of a kingdom that people living over in China are a citizen of. You're a citizen of a kingdom that people over in North Korea are citizens of. You're a citizen of a country of people who live in Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who are born again. You're part of that kingdom. You're part of a kingdom that is not constrained or held back by geographic borders. And, and it is not going to go down. You don't need to worry about the church going down. America as a country, America may go down, but the kingdom of heaven is prospering and growing, and, not, and as God spoke His word, and it doesn't return to Him empty or void, but it accomplishes what He sends it forth to do. God said it through the mouth of Isaiah, He said, the increase of His government and of His peace, there shall be no end. And so the point is, is if men are willing to make such a great sacrifice and devote the fullness of their life, Everything they have, my life, my finances, my honor, all that I am, I'm devoting it to the establishment of the, of the establishment of a government in the United States of America. How much more should we as believers, amen, who are born again, make that same pledge to the kingdom of heaven to which we belong, who we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, say, God, I pledge my life, 
I pledge my fortune and I pledge my sacred honor to, to extending and, and furthering the influence of your kingdom and your government which you've established through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He deserves our full devotion this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name.